I know it's January 6th, but we're still going to wish you a happy new year because this is our first episode of Wire to Wire in 2020 and at the same time, our final episode of Wire to Wire of the 2019-20 NFL season. So thank you for joining us one more time. I am Michael Beller, joined as I have been all season long here on Wire to Wire by Brandon Funston. Funston, Happy New Year. I uh, hope you had a great holiday season. And are you ready to put a bow on this wire to wire for this year? Yeah, there's still some football going on, so that's good. It's not uh, fantasy football so much, although I am in a fantasy playoff league, so I'm still enjoying the fantasy side of things. But uh, it's been good. It's been a good break. Watched a lot of football, got sick along the way, like so many people across the country. <laughs> yep. um, but I am through that now. And uh, it's 2020. What a great, you know, it just has a nice ring to it. It does. It has a nice ring to it for everyone except for uh, the New Orleans Saints, I think. <laughs> and maybe the New England Patriots. And the Patriots. But at least the Patriots, maybe in their heart of hearts, wouldn't have, uh, would have maybe admitted, uh, we maybe weren't going to get past Kansas City and Baltimore and gotten to yeah, the Super Bowl. New fair. Orleans, of course, entered with uh, very high hopes just a, a few days ago that were shattered by the Vikings on Sunday. Yeah, this is becoming a uh, thing. Uh, the Saints' <laughs> hopes being shattered by the Vikings. So, yeah, uh, another year, deja vu all over again. Absolutely. Uh, you can follow Brandon on Twitter at Brandon Funston. You can follow me at M Beller. And this might be the last episode of Wire to Wire, but you can still use our promotion, theathletic.com slash wire to wire to get yourself 40% off a subscription to The Athletic if you are listening to this on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you might be for free and you want to subscribe. Uh, treat yourself to something new in the new year. Obviously, uh, NBA, NHL, those seasons in full swing, college basketball. We've got a lot of good uh, things happening there, including a podcast I produce called Miles More Madness with uh, former Nebraska coach Tim Miles and uh, one of our great writers, C.J. Moore. So uh, definitely want to check that out if you're a college basketball fan. Baseball, not too far away now. We're going to be doing a lot of great fantasy baseball podcasts and writing, of course. That will be uh, coming to you soon, and you're going to want to be subscribing uh, to The Athletic to get all of that, and not just the things that we do put in front of the paywall. So check it out, theathletic.com slash wire to wire Get yourself 40% off a subscription and enjoy everything we do here in 2020. For this final episode of Wire to Wire, we are going to do things a little bit differently. Obviously, there's no fantasy football wherever to wire to talk about. So what we're going to do is take a look back at the previous 16 weeks of football and name a waiver wire all-star team. So the way this is going to work, Funston, is we're going to put together a typical fantasy team, right? A quarterback, two running backs, three wide receivers, a tight end, and a flex. Basically a standard-looking fantasy football team. But we're not going to do it with... Christian McCaffrey and Lamar Jackson and Michael Thomas, the MVPs at their respective positions. We're going to do it all with guys who were drafted in fewer than 50% of leagues. So all guys who, in most leagues at least, were picked up off the waiver wire and make a waiver wire all-star team. So you ready to do that? You got some names in mind? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, let's, let's dive into it. All right. Well, let's do it. Let's start at the quarterback position where I think the answer is easy. And I think you're in agreement with me. It's got to be Ryan Tannehill, right? Uh, yeah. I mean, you just look at what he did once he took over. I mean, he was, you know, we kept on saying he's been top five as a starter, top, you know, at quarterback. And, you know, that happened midseason, and he never looked back. He was two touchdowns a game plus. Um, and, you know, added the the all-important in fancy rushing uh, numbers as well. Uh, he was – he was – he was a – Lockdown QB one, uh, 
once he took over as a starter. And, you know, he, he probably created a lot of dilemmas for people that picked him up as a bye week replacement. And then you start looking at, you know, maybe you, I don't, I don't know, maybe you had like a Matt Ryan or someone like that. <laughs> yep. Like Matt Tannehill or Ryan Tannehill made it really hard uh, to bench the guy, you know? And so, um, but it's a good problem to have for sure. Yeah. Here's how hard he made it to bench him, Funston. Uh, he took over as Tennessee starter in week seven from that point forward. He was at the QB three in points per game in standard scoring fantasy leagues. When we say standard scoring, referring to a quarterback, we're just talking about leagues that award four points for passing touchdowns, not six. QB three behind Lamar Jackson and Drew Brees. So that's how good this guy was. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, even if you had someone who was regularly putting up consistent numbers, someone like uh, Matt Ryan or, hey, Patrick Mahomes. Not that you were probably going to bench Patrick Mahomes for uh, Ryan Tannehill, but from that point forward, Ryan Tannehill was the third most productive quarterback on a per-game basis behind just Lamar Jackson and Drew Brees. He gave you five games with at least 20 points, two with more than 28, and in the playoffs, this guy delivered. If you were trusting him by time playoff time rolled around, you probably are celebrating a fantasy championship this year because in week 14, he gave you 28 and a half points. In week 15, he gave you 25.2 points. And in week 16, 23.7 points. Week in, week out, Ryan Tannehill was delivering. And he is still playing football. One of the quarterbacks uh, who got a win in wildcard weekend. Moving on with the Titans to take on the Baltimore Ravens in uh, the uh, uh, divisional round of the NFL playoffs. And uh, hard to believe that that game with Lamar Jackson and Ryan Tannehill is going to give us two of the three top-scoring quarterbacks over the second half of the season. Ryan Tannehill at a position where a lot of people are willing to stream uh, was someone who graduated from the stream to a regular starter, and it's something you don't see a ton. Uh, For me, this was the easiest decision to make. Yeah, there was nobody else that really, you know. I mean, consistency is so important in right, fantasy right. football. I mean, I look I look for that. It's like, okay, a lot of times you'll see a guy that just he goes off and you miss that window because we, he wasn't on the radar to start with. And so then we're chasing that and we're getting a lot of ups and downs along the way. But Ryan Tannehill came in. He was great. And so you go out and you pick him up and he continues to be great week in and week out and like the two touchdowns every week and as you said top 3 production it wasn't a bunch of peaks and valleys it was you picked him up and there was just a high level return the entire rest of the way yeah and that's also what really put him over the top here right because we have a couple other names written down in our uh sheet here as honorable mention uh Ryan Fitzpatrick and Gardner Minshew i thought they had to be included because they both came onto the scene much earlier in the fantasy season than Tannehill. So maybe you got more starts out of one of those guys if you did end up rolling with them. But there were peaks and valleys for both those guys. And Minshew got benched eventually for Nick Foles before uh, re-getting, re-earning the job after a couple of bad games from Foles when he returned. Uh, But Tannehill, once he was in there, it was just start, 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 QB one week, QB one week, QB one week. Uh, And that's what makes him our quarterback for our waiver wire all-star team of 2019. Ryan Tannehill kicks us off here on the final episode of Wire to Wire. We'll get to the running back position next, but first, the second week of the playoffs is upon us. The bad news is that there's only a few more weeks left in the football season, but the good news is you can still get your fantasy fix with DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy football. And if you've never played before, there's even more to celebrate. You can play for a $1 million top prize this weekend. Draft your lineup and feel the sweat like never before. Every run, throw, and catch mean more with a DraftKings lineup on the line. It's simple. 
Just draft your lineup, stay under the salary cap, and see how your team stacks up against the competition. Nothing adds to the sweat of watching the game quite like having a shot at the $1 million top prize. Plus, all new and existing users can get a deposit bonus up to $500. That's some extra cash to play with throughout the playoffs. With only the best football teams left, there's no better time to be playing. Download the DraftKings app now and use code RUN. For a limited time, both new and existing users can get a deposit bonus up to $500 on your next deposit. Remember, that's code RUN and you can get a deposit bonus up to $500 only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Deposit bonus requires a 25 times playthrough. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. We move now to the running back position. And this one, Funston, uh, this one's tough because this is a position I think that people really rely on the waiver wire throughout the season every single year. That was no different this year. You're always looking for that waiver wire gold at the running back position because of how many injuries there are and how many unforeseen turns that uh, the position takes with so many teams having committees and rookies and guys come out of nowhere. But this year, there was just nothing at the running back position. I mean, you think back to years past, we were getting legit RB1 superstars from the waiver wire. Last year, it was Philip Lindsay right away. Yeah. Week one has a big game. You pick him up, and he was great the rest of the season. This year, there's really no one. We've got a lot of names written down. To me, the only guy who has to be included is Raheem Mostert, and he was still just running back 24 and didn't really wasn't really a consistent guy. You had to pick the right weeks to get him at that RB2 level. Yeah, I was just quickly looking back because I we we quickly talked about this before we jumped on uh, this pod just about how, you know, usually they're you know things shake loose at the running back position a lot more dramatically than they did this year. And I just kind of quickly look back to last year. And you mentioned um, you Lindsay. mentioned uh, Lindsey, and but there was also James Conner was in there. You got to remember that you know Le'Veon Bell. We were waiting on whether he was going to come back or not. A lot of people necessarily. Uh, James Conner was kind of an out of nowhere star at uh, Tariq Cohen. Like those were top 13 running back guys. And we're going to be talking about guys that uh, didn't crack the top 20 overall. I think usually you have a handful of guys that are in the top 20 that weren't, uh, you know, 50% drafted in leagues most seasons uh, because of the turnover at the position. But um, yeah, just, just, just wasn't one of those years. Yeah. I mean, Mostert was the first one. Most are, yeah. and he was, again, in a half-point PPR, he was RB24. And that's the first guy in the running back standings who was drafted in fewer than 50% of leagues. Uh, you've got James White at 23. He wasn't necessarily drafted as a starting back, uh, but obviously was drafted across the board. I mean, there's no one even – I mean, you can look at 1 through 23, and there's not even someone who was drafted in, like, 70% of leagues. Every guy, 1 through 23 at the quarterback position, was a 100% drafted player across the board in fantasy league so that's what makes Mostert even though there were peaks and valleys and he shared the backfield uh, with Tevin Coleman and Matt Breida and had his monster games but then had his games where he took a backseat to both of those guys that's what makes him such an easy player to include if we're building this as a real fantasy team with two running backs Raheem Mostert has to be there 772 yards on the ground eight touchdowns two more touchdowns as a receiver with 180 yards so we're talking 10 touchdowns, uh, just shy of a of a 1,000 yards from scrimmage. Raheem Mostert uh, is a guy who, uh, if you were able to trust him or if you did buy in to what he did and the explosiveness that he brought to San Francisco's offense, gave you some really useful games. And then if you were rolling with him by the time the playoffs rolled around, that's when he really shined from Week 12 through the end of the season. The RB6 behind Derrick Henry, Christian McCaffrey, 
Saquon Barkley, Ezekiel Elliott, and Joe Mixon. Yeah, I mean, the the way the San Francisco offense was constructed with those three running backs, there was games early in the year that he was productive that you just, as a fantasy owner, you weren't prepared uh, and weren't expecting those kind of numbers it was in and so like you missed out on that window the nice thing was that if you stuck with him and i had him on a few teams where i had matt Breida, and i just you know covering my bases because Breida got hurt and then monster started monster started getting into the mix if you just hung on to him you know you had the big game uh you had the big game late in the year. I forget whether it was the Green Bay game or the Baltimore game where Shanahan said, well, we have to, you know, we have to reward this guy for how well he's been doing. Right. And if you kind of were with him to that point, I mean, he just closed out the year, eight touchdowns in the final six weeks. He had a touchdown in every one of those games and you were rewarded. And that was the nice thing because you got that production down the stretch when you needed it the most. But for the first 10 weeks, he wasn't very usable, and, and that's I guess what gets back to our point that this wasn't a huge year for just impactful waiver wire pickups. But at least for Mostert, he was very impactful at the time when you needed him most, and it was a lot more predictable at that time as well where you weren't feeling like it was just a complete dice roll to throw him out there in your starting lineup. Yeah, it's perfectly said. Once that second surge of his came late in the season, if you had him, you were starting him, and you didn't have to think twice about it. So that's what makes him uh, a guy who, even though he didn't have that season-long consistency, he, his best games came when you were certainly starting him if you had him, and that's what gets him as the only sure thing running back on the waiver wire team this year, the waiver wire all-star team, excuse me, this season. Uh, we've got to have an RB2 here, Funston. So we've got a few names to debate, and really none of these guys are going to jump out at you. It just drives home how bad a year it was on the wire for uh, uh, for running backs, which flip side says, hey, no one wants to, we, no one, none of us want to see anyone get hurt. So it's great that there was such good health across the league at the running back position this season. Here's who we've got to talk about as our potential RB2. Uh, you can uh, throw in another name if you think that uh, it should be included, but these are the guys who I thought uh, you could make an argument for. Carlos Hyde, Adrian Peterson, Ronald Jones, Latavius Murray, Boston Scott, DeAndre Washington, and Kareem Hunt. Again, I mean, obviously no one on there was someone who you were starting with any sort of consistency this season. Do you think I missed anyone, or do you think that that's probably the full list? Yeah, I think that's the full list, and it's a pretty thin list. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah. Boston Scott, DeAndre Washington, like they're on here because if you were playing in your fantasy playoffs, they gave you some useful games at the end of the season, and that's how thin the waiver wire running backs were this year that, hey, uh, a guy who gave you a big game in week 14, 15, 16 is worth inclusion because it's just such a thin crop of guys that we can even talk about. Yeah, and Boston Scott had three touchdowns and a bunch of yards in, in week 17 when most people aren't playing. I was playing. I had him, and, you know, had I played him, I would have won my fantasy championship in week 17, but I had Miles Sanders, and there was just no way I would have even ever considered playing Boston Scott over Miles Sanders right. in that game. And so that just speaks to the point, like – Numbers can look good in the end, but how many times were they uh, projectable and usable in fantasy? And so, you know, some of these guys, they had these monster games that makes their numbers overall look good. But if, you know, if it's completely unpredictable and fantasy owners can't, you know, uh, capture that, then mm -hmm. it's just kind of like a tree falling in the forest, <laughs> right? And if you, yep. if someone's there to hear it, that's, that's good for them, but most people weren't. And because of that, that's why my RB2 is Carlos Hyde. 
because at least Carlos Hyde, after a little Lamar Miller injury, he goes to Houston, and he was the starter there all season. Even with Duke Johnson in the mix, uh, we knew Hyde was going to be the lead runner there. There were some strong games. He did have six double-digit scoring games. Two of those came in the fantasy playoffs. So he did give you some useful efforts, uh, ran for more than 1,000 yards, uh, had six touchdowns on the season, and you knew no matter what, um, you were never going to be super excited about having Carlos Hyde in your lineup, but he was going to get 14, 15, 16 touches every single game, and that's more than can be said about Adrian Peterson, another guy who uh, needed an injury to open the door for him. Uh, more than can be said for Ronald Jones, who uh, Bruce Arians played that yo-yo game with him all season long. Was it Ronald Jones? Was it Peyton Barber? Uh, plenty of Ronald Jones' best games. He was likely on the bench or still sitting on a league's waiver wire because you just never knew who was going to be the lead guy for Tampa Bay. You always knew that Carlos Hyde was going to be the lead guy for Houston, finished as the RB27 in half PPR leagues. This is almost by default, but for me, he's just as obvious the RB2 as Mostert is the RB1 on this waiver wire all-star team. That's where I settled, too. I, you can make a case for Adrian Peterson. Mm -hmm. uh, he was better down the stretch and had bigger games. Like Carlos Hyde, I'm going to quickly look here, but uh, in half PPR, he averaged 9.3 fantasy points per game. Peterson averaged 9.2. The thing about Carlos Hyde is he almost always gave you 9.3 fantasy right, points. Right. Lamar Miller was a lot. It's funny because Lamar Miller was a lot like that in, in, in his time in Houston as well before he got hurt. Uh, like he would average like 11 fantasy points per game. It would almost always be right at 11. You never got a whole lot more. You never got a whole lot less. Uh, I guess the thing with Peterson is he was he was able to give you a few more, like the, his peaks were better, and he did give you uh, six double-digit fantasy points and half PPR in the final, you know, eight games of the fantasy mm -hmm. season throughout week 17 for most people not playing. So he was better at a time when you needed him most. But the thing about Carlos Hyde was like, okay, we we figured out very early on that he was going to be the guy, and Duke Johnson, this whole idea that he would be the league guy, wasn't going to happen that way. And so you were able to go out and get Carlos Hyde, and you could he was sort of like serviceable most weeks. I mean, it wasn't a great year, but that's kind of what you're asking for when you pick up a guy. It's like it's a luxury that you know you can get him in after week one, and you got somebody that's usable the rest of the year. You know, and that's kind of what he was. So it wasn't very exciting, and Peterson had some better moments along the way. But, you know, I think Carlos Hyde does fit the number two guy here just for, as I talked about earlier, you like consistency. Um, you like a little higher ceiling than what he gave you. <laughs> right. But at least he gave you something usable most weeks. Yeah, I, I, he had three games. Yeah, because not including week seventeen, I, I got tripped up there for a second by uh, looking at his uh, his fantasy game logs. But uh, that really bad game of his, that really nothing game of his, was week seventeen when he only got you know a few token carries with uh, with Houston already being locked into their seed. So he had three games that I would define as real duds: uh, a two point seven pointer, a three point five pointer, and a six point seven pointer in half PPR. Other than that, he gave you at least eight points every single week. Again. Is that a high ceiling? No. Did Carlos Hyde carry you to victory? No. But he didn't give you nothing. He at least did basically, if you're being realistic with yourself, going into a game where you're starting Carlos Hyde, he more often than not, far more often than not, gave you what you were expecting from him. And in a, in a season where we didn't have that Philip Lindsay, didn't have that James Conner, didn't have anything even close to someone like that, then what Carlos Hyde gave you week in, week out, was something that was worthy 
in fantasy leagues? Was something that, you know, you weren't totally holding your nose when you plugged him into your lineup? And again, right from week one, this guy was someone who we were talking about in fantasy leagues. That's more than can be said for any of the running backs, most are included, that we potentially could include in this discussion. So we're going to make Carlos Hyde our RB2. Let's hold Adrian Peterson over for the flex discussion because we do have a flex spot to fill a little bit later. So we're going to hold Adrian Peterson for that. To me, none of these other backs deserve to be included in there. Maybe Kareem Hunt if you're in a full PPR league, but even him, uh, you know, it it was uh, basically another version of Carlos Hyde where there was a floor, but really no ceiling. Uh, So I think we can can cut Kareem Hunt out of the uh, flex discussion, uh, especially since he was only useful for the back third of the year. Take Adrian Peterson and put all these other running backs uh, out to pasture for the rest of the year. Sounds good to me. Um, all right. Well, wide receiver. This was a fun one. This was one of the. This was really the only <laughs> fun one in terms of uh, actually having a debate and having guys who were actually very good fantasy players. No debate at quarterback. No debate at tight end. We'll get there in a second. No one who was really that fun at the running back position. Wide receiver checks all those boxes. So here is a list of guys uh, who we put together: Devonte Parker. A.J. Brown, D.J. Chark, Terry McLaurin, Cole Beasley, and Darius Slayton. Funston, the first two guys, to me, no controversy whatsoever. Devontae Parker and D.J. Chark, absolutely. Waiver Wire, all-star team members, and maybe the uh, the MVPs of this all-star team. You can take either one of them and run with it. I'll take the other guy and just talk about the season that he had. Okay, I'll I'll say Devontae Parker uh, is the runaway winner here, uh, just like Tannehill and, and Mostert were at the other positions. I think he uh, – it's interesting. And he really took off once Fitzpatrick kind of settled in as a quarterback. But just looking up, you know how many receivers had 55 or more yards in a game more times than Devontae Parker? I do not. How many? Zero. Travis Kelsey is the only player in the NFL that had more receiving, uh, more 55-yard-plus games. He had 14. Kelsey had 14. Parker had 13 55-plus-yard games. That was tied with Michael Thomas for the most at the wide receiver position. So he, he only had three games that he was basically a dud. And that's, you know, that's on Miami. Those were early in the year. He wasn't really widely owned anyways. No one was getting stuck with those. Once he kind of settled in and everybody was starting to – tune into him and the Ryan Fitzpatrick thing. I mean, he, he was week in and week out helping you out. And so uh, it was remarkable consistency. A lot of it was uh, under the radar for a while. Of course he finished strong and had the big game against Stephon Gilmore in week 17. And, and he's on everybody's radar now, but uh, it was a, it was a, it was really Devonte Parker coming into his own as a talent that we've all kind of talked about. And then, you know, it, it, he's in the post hype sleeper, portion of his career but mm-hmm. uh, we've seen plenty of guys finally uh you know click with that talent later than we expected and Devonte parker is one of them who's just basically renewed his you know renewed his his cachet uh as a as a big time talent the guy was excellent i mean wide receiver seven on the season and, and yes that includes that big game he had against stefan gilmore uh, in week 17 where most people aren't playing fantasy but this was still a guy who gave us top 10 numbers uh, on the fantasy year, even if you take that uh, that Week 17 game out of the equation. 72 catches, 1,202 yards, nine touchdowns, give you six games with 15 or more points in half PPR leagues, and another guy who showed up for you in the fantasy playoffs. You were easily trusting him by then, so if you were playing, he was absolutely in your lineup. 21.2 points in Week 15, 19.6 
in week 16. If you were in the playoffs and didn't win your championship, it certainly wasn't his fault. If you were in the playoffs and did win your league's championship, then uh, Devontae Parker is one of the guys who you were likely toasting the new year to uh, with what he gave you all season and in the playoffs. So Devontae Parker, it'll be interesting to see what happens there uh, if they make a quarterback change. Right, is Ryan Fitzpatrick still going to be the guy? And if he's not, uh, how does that affect Devontae Parker? But uh, it can't be definitely Josh Rosen, right? The Josh Rosen be, experience yeah. is over. Yeah, I would think so. Yeah, I would think so too. Uh, but Devontae Parker certainly back in the good graces. It took, uh, what, five years, right? He was a 2014 <laughs> class uh, draft yeah. class. But uh, hey, here we are, Devontae Parker, an excellent season. And I agree, not, not only as easy a choice as Ryan Tanhill, but I would say the MVP of the waiver wire all-star team with the numbers that he gave you for the majority of the season. I'll talk about DJ Chark here, uh, sort of the reverse of Devontae Parker in that he started out very strong. You had to buy in quickly. He had that big game week one, and if you bought into that and started playing him right away, then you got a lot of good use out of him. Later in the year, the the back and forth at the quarterback position between Gardner Minshew and Nick Foles, uh, DJ Chark dealing with an injury of his own. So uh, the numbers started to taper off as the season wore on, but he was still wide receiver 18 on the season, 73 catches, 1,008 yards, eight touchdowns. He gave you that reliability nice and early in the year, had a few monster games where he could have been a singular force in carrying you to victory. Early in the season, uh, he was probably someone who you were able to uh, trade if you put him out there and maybe uh, bring back some more reliable pieces later in the year. Any way you slice it, uh, DJ Chark was someone who deserves to be an easy member of this team. And another guy who will be very interesting in drafts next year, because I think he enters the season as Jacksonville's unquestioned number one. This is a team that's been desperate for a number one uh, receiver. Uh, You know, you've had Allen Robinson have his injury, then you have him leave for Chicago. So it's been, you know, a few seasons where they've been looking for a reliable number one receiver. I think they have that now in DJ Chark. Uh, is it going to be Gardner Minshew? Is it going to be Nick Foles? It'll be an interesting team to watch uh, what they do in the offseason. But DJ Chark, to me, uh, someone who is going to be the wide receiver one for this team next year and someone who was a reliable fantasy starter after being essentially 0% drafted in fantasy league, someone who you could definitely have grabbed after his big week one. And if you did, you were pretty happy with what he gave you, at least for the first half of the season. And again, that's really all we can ask for out of a guy who we're picking up off the waiver wire. So DJ Chark, Devontae Parker, our first two receivers. We're going to get at least one more receiver on this team. Maybe we're getting ourselves a flex player out of this group too. Uh, But looking at our wide receiver three uh, of the list of guys that we have, Funston, who do you think uh, most deserves that spot? You know, I'm going to go with Terry McLaurin. Uh, I know A.J. Brown might be the popular choice, but I get back to usability factor. Uh, He had a 100-yard game in week one. And no one was on – he was not in, in the starting lineup. He was in very few in fantasy leagues. He was okay. on very few teams, period. Yeah. And so, okay, maybe you picked him up. You plugged him in for week two. He gave you three catches, 25 yards, and he gave you a one catch for four yards the following week. So then he's out of fantasy lineups again. and then you Maybe go to even Atlanta, cut again. Maybe even cut again. And then he gives you 94 and two touchdowns. So no one takes advantage of that either. Then you have a whole string of just not a whole lot there. So, again, um, people might be chasing that. They get stuck with a 27-yard game, a 23-yard game, so he's out again. You have to go all the way to week 12 after the bye where he hasn't done a whole lot, probably, again, not being used. Then he has a big game against Jacksonville uh, in week 12. Then he comes back with a dud. So, again, it's like, okay, people have seen this story before. 
do they capture that week 14 game against Oakland where he goes for 153 yards and two touchdowns? I'd like to go back and see what his percent started was on that, but I'm guessing it's pretty low. So maybe then people are like, okay, I'm all in on this guy. And he gives you a nice run down the stretch for the playoffs uh, for a couple weeks. But really, like most of his production wasn't captured in lineups. And I, for that reason, I'm going to go with Terry McLaurin, who was a lot more even across the board. He kind of had, you know, good games early. And then when you, uh, you know, when you kind of chased that, you weren't burned too badly. Um, so to me, McLaurin had a lot more even kind of year. It wasn't maybe overall as, as dramatic as A.J. Brown's, but I think in terms of the fantasy utility and then looking at the guy and go, okay, I'm going to put McLaurin out there and he gives you something, um, I feel like McLaurin was better at that than A.J. Brown. Yeah, you know, I think this is, uh, I think you're right here. And when I initially went through this list as I was making this uh, yesterday while watching the Eagles-Seahawks game, I actually had A.J. Brown in there first, but I think the point you make is is really strong and it's really important to think about uh, so many of A.J. Brown's big games were wasted in the fantasy world. They weren't wasted for the Titans. And if we were making a, um, you know, sort of an under-the-radar list of players who had great seasons, we were bit like almost like an NFL version of a waiver-wire all-star team, I think A.J. Brown would have to be in there over Terry McLaurin just because of the overwhelming power of his numbers. But that doesn't matter for fantasy players if they're not playing him. And I think you're right. There were probably at least two missed games uh, missed big performances by A.J. Brown, where even if people did own him, he was firmly on their bench. Like even a situation where you couldn't even been mad at yourself for benching him because right. you would have been you know, starting him on a wing and a prayer. And so with that, and especially for a guy who made all of his money in just a few big games, that takes a huge bite out of his actual fantasy utility. Terry McLaurin, on the other hand, very consistent, uh, a guy who didn't really kill you in any uh, certain week, a guy who I think was actually also relatively easy to bench in his down weeks because of the up and down nature of Dwayne Haskins' rookie season, uh, and then in the fantasy playoffs, uh, gave you a couple of good games, three good games in a row, 13.7, 21.5, and 12.1 half PPR points. So he was wide receiver 28 when you add it all up. A.J. Brown was wide receiver 15. You look at just that number, and it seems like a no-brainer, but if all those points that got A.J. Brown to wide receiver 15 were on your bench, who really cares? I think Terry McLaurin probably scored more points, right, in terms of actual points scored in a lineup. Like, if you only count lineup, the points right. that they scored uh, for players because they're in the lineup, then I think McLaurin beats A.J. Brown there. And so I think that he deserves to be our wide receiver three, along with D.J. Chark and Devontae Parker as our group of wide receivers. I do think that A.J. Brown should be in the flex discussion, though. Even though there was such a boomer bust nature to his season, the booms were so big and the running back crop so thin that I think we at least have to include A.J. Brown in this flex discussion. Oh, I think that's fair. Yeah. Um, put him in there in the running with Adri Adrian Peterson, I guess, uh, is, is where we're going to end up with that, right? Yeah, yeah. So let's uh, so let, we'll put it, let's wrap up wide receiver. We got Devontae Parker, DJ Chark, and uh, uh, Terry McLaurin as our wide receivers. Let's do that flex discussion. Should we? Should anyone else be in this, or is this AJ Brown versus Adrian Peterson? Well, are we? Uh, are we just going to cruise through Darren Waller like as our tight end? Um, is there? I guess there's nobody nobody that we need to throw in as a backup tight end into the discussion. So yeah, it's AJ. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do Let's talk about Waller, but let's do the flex first. Okay. Um, man, I, it's, it's a tough one for me. Adrian Peterson finished so strong. I think those numbers were usable 
Um, but, I, you know, because Tannehill was so good and people started to clue into this offense with Tannehill, I'm guessing that A.J. Brown's, uh, you know, end run, people were, were probably taking chances on him a little bit more than maybe we give him credit for, for, you know, oh, he had a bad game, so he was automatically being wiped out of lineups. That may not have been completely true because people were – we're, we're pretty excited about Ryan Tannehill and what he was doing since he took over. So I'll give it to, I'll give it to AJ Brown. Um, his spikes were pretty big. Adrian Peterson had some nice games down the stretch, but you know, um, there was a, there was a ceiling issue with him as well. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to give this to AJ Brown too, because of those, just those, those booms were huge. And again, like you said, uh, maybe you didn't have that first one. Maybe you didn't even have that big one against Oakland, but he still gave you useful games after that huge game against Oakland. And at that point, uh, people who owned him were almost certainly trusting him in their fantasy lineup. So I, I think that that's what puts him over the top here. Also, you know, when Darius Geis made his return, he firmly took over as the starter for Washington. So you had a lot of people cutting bait on Adrian Peterson right in the late part of the fantasy regular season. So uh, how many people let him go? Uh, how many people then didn't have him back on their team for the fantasy playoffs when he did pretty much his best work of the season? How many people even got to their playoffs with Adrian Peterson on their team? It's really hard to say uh, there. So I think that there were, even though he was pretty consistent throughout the season because of Geis getting injured early and Chris Thompson being in and out of the lineup due to injury, I bet there were a lot of missed points from Adrian Peterson too. You factor in Washington being a bad team and Peterson having an obviously uh, low ceiling with what his skill set is at this point of his career. I think there were probably a lot of missed points there too. So in breaking what feels like a pretty even matchup between Brown and Peterson, I'm willing to take uh, a shot on the guy who had the ceiling who had a lot of things trending in the right direction late in the year with the way Tennessee was playing, with the way Ryan Tannehill was playing. I'll lean A.J. Brown over Adrian Peterson. Uh, hats off to Peterson for another excellent season uh, into his mid-30s at just a brutal running back position. But for me, A.J. Brown is the flex player for us, our fourth receiver, just losing out to Terry McLaurin. So he loses out to one Washington Redskin, but he beats the other to get into the lineup. Yeah, I, I don't know if you um... – if you know this, but uh, what, what were like Debo Samuel, Michael Gallup, uh, DK so Gall Metcalf? Yeah, those, all those guys, uh, and yeah, DK Metcalf, those guys were all drafted too much. Okay, they were over yeah. the Gallup so was, was way – Gallup was way too high. Those were guys I, – I checked out all the rookies thinking – and obviously I know Gallup's not a rookie, but I checked out all the rookies, uh, and Samuel and uh, uh, Metcalf were drafted in too many leagues to be considered for this. And then Gallup, yeah, way too many leagues to be uh, considered for this. So it just goes to show you also that – you know, we're leaving no stone unturned in draft season. Right. If guys like that are getting drafted across the board uh, in more than 50% of leagues. I guess it, it just goes to show this was maybe one of the most important draft years ever, yeah, right? That's a good like, point. Uh, yeah, because they're just because we're talking about guys that were not just like slam dunking on the on the waiver wire all star team here. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely a year where the draft uh, loomed larger than it does in typical years. Uh, you already said who we're doing at tight end. This is another easy one. Just as easy as Tannehill. Darren Waller, unquestionably the tight end on this team. He was a guy who picked up some buzz late in draft season. Still didn't get drafted in more than 50% of leagues, which is why he's here. And man, if he weren't here, this would be an ugly waiver wire all-star team. Uh, but uh, Darren Waller, the tight end three on the season, 
behind only Travis Kelsey and George Kittle, second in both yards and receptions uh, to Travis Kelsey at this position, 90 grabs, 1,145 yards, just three touchdowns. You give him a couple more touchdowns, and he's the tight end one. Just a monster season for Darren Waller, and this guy, Funston, 100% has some staying power. I think we're going to be talking about him as a top five tight end next year. Yeah, he'll be drafted as a top five tight end. I know I'll have him in my top five, and he might even be uh, – I don't know if I'll go higher than five, but he could be four on my list. I, I like him a lot. Uh, he'll be in that mix. I, you know, you mentioned he was a runaway winner. If, if we didn't have Darren Waller, then we're probably talking about a month's worth of Tyler Higby or a you know basically what Dallas Goddard did in, yeah. in December as well. I mean, yeah. there was some late uh, – you know, there was some late – power uh firepower from those two guys but in terms of just season-long consistency no one could hold a you know could hold a candle to darren waller yeah not even close and and like i said he started to generate some buzz late in draft season so there were plenty of leagues where he was drafted there were also plenty of leagues where even if he wasn't drafted because of that buzz after what he did in week one seven catches for 70 yards against denver he probably got scooped up pretty quickly remember hunter henry got hurt in week one so you already had people hurting at the position then you have hunter henry go down darren waller was already at the very least bubbling beneath the surface then he has that game and then boom just right away uh week two six catches for 63 yards week three 13 catches for 134 yards, the first of five 100-yard games for Darren Waller on the season. Finished the year strong, 13.5 points in Week 13, 10.2 in Week 14, 16.2 in Week 15. Uh, This guy was just really consistent all season long at a position that cried out for consistency. So Darren Waller, an easy guy to take the tight end position and finish up our waiver wire all-star team for the 2019 fantasy football season. So we'll go over this one more time. At quarterback, we have Ryan Tannehill. At running back, Raheem Mostert and Carlos Hyde. Wide receiver, Devontae Parker, DJ Chark, and Terry McLaurin are flex. A.J. Brown narrowly edges out Adrian Peterson, two guys at opposite ends of their career. And finally, the tight end, Darren Waller. This isn't a bad team, Funston. You know, the running backs leave a little bit to be desired. But otherwise, if you if you started these guys, let's take it from week seven, just since that's when Tannehill was your starter. Uh, if you if uh, Let's say this. Let's say you streamed the quarterback position weeks one through six. And then week seven on, Tannehill was your starter. You might have made a push for the playoffs with just the waiver wire. Yeah, no, I think so. And a lot of the reasons that, you know, some of these guys made it is because of their strong finishes, like Raheem Mostert, uh, you know, and A.J. Brown and Devontae Parker, just really strong down the stretch. And Ryan Tannehill, obviously, as well. So you had guys that were contributing for you at the most important time. So, uh, yeah, I think you could have done pretty well. And I am I guess I'm saying that maybe Darren Waller's our uh, – is our waiver wire all like our MVP? Ooh, here? you think he's the MVP? I I I still lean Parker, but I think that there's definitely an argument for Waller. When you picked up Waller, you know Parker probably there was five weeks of uh, sort of mediocre production. And yeah, those, and maybe uh, even like should I shouldn't I start him? Right, exactly. Whereas Darren Waller at a position that needed him uh, was a week in and week out guy. So I I think it's a fair debate. I mean Parker would easily be the other guy that I would put in that conversation. Uh, but those two kind of are, are leading Mount Rushmore guys at the waiver wire uh, all-star team for 2019. 
Yeah, absolutely. And throw Ryan Tannehill in there too. You definitely had a nice trio at this uh, at this waiver wire position, even though it was uh, the worst running uh, the worst waiver wire running back season I can remember in my 22 years of playing fantasy football. It still was a nice uh, season on the wire and shows you just why it is so important to be active on the waiver wire week one, week six, week 16, all the way through your season. There's always value to be found in the waiver wire. That's why we had so much fun doing wire to wire every single week this year. We hope you did as well. We hope you enjoyed this wrap-up of the Waiver Wire, building our Waiver Wire All-Star team. Thank you again to everyone out there for listening to uh, the two of us blather on about the Waiver Wire all season long. We hope we, we helped you find value, whether it was early in the season, late in the season, whenever you, you needed it. We hope that we gave it to you. For Brandon Funston, I'm Michael Beller. Enjoy the rest of the playoffs. Enjoy your off-season fantasy football. Never too far away, though, in fantasy baseball, fantasy basketball, fantasy hockey, all your fantasy needs. We've got you covered here at the F. Athletic, theathletic.com slash wire to wire. Get yourself 40% off and enjoy everything we're going to bring to you in 2020. Again, thank you for listening. Have a great offseason. Cheers.